Hello to all the faithful Tigers and 20 listeners. Before we get to the interview with Henry Pregler, I wanted to let you know that this interview was conducted on Tuesday, March 10th, two days before the Tigers were set to face off against ECU in the first round of the AAC championship. So obviously we did not discuss the coronavirus and the cancellation of the AAC tournament and NCAA tournament, but we spent a lot of time discussing the Hardaway series, Henry's involvement in producing this documentary, and his insights on the players and coaching staff he had the opportunity to follow around all year. We hope to get Henry back on the podcast at a later date to share his experience in Dallas with the team as the news came out that the tournament was being canceled. So stay tuned for that. But for now, let's get to the interview. Welcome to Tigers in 20 Off the Boards, a Go Tigers 247 audio podcast hosted by lead writer Christian Fowler, where he brings you the latest interviews with players, top recruits, coaches, and more in both football and basketball across the city of Memphis and around the nation. Here is your host, Christian Fowler. What's up, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Off the Boards. I'm your host, Christian Fowler, and now joining me is videographer, producer, director, basically everything, one half of everything for the Hardaway documentary, Henry Pregler. Henry, how you doing today, man? Good, man. Thanks for having me. So as I mentioned at the top, you are one half of the production company doing the production for the Hardaway documentary. Tell us a little bit about what you guys sure, do. Sure, sure. Yeah, so I'm, I'm one half of Hank and Booth, so I work with a director out of Brooklyn named Ryan Booth, and uh, we were hired by Uninterrupted uh, to sh- co-show run, which basically means, like you said, everything, but produce and direct the show, uh, direct the show that we're doing here. Um, so before we get into the documentary a little bit, I want to talk about you. So people kind of get, because you don't get seen you guys that are off camera, don't get nearly enough love. So tell us a little bit about your background and how you got into this field in general. Well, I was talking to Kenny. I mean, like it's, can I, I can, I, I can mention Kenny. You can right? mention Ken. Everyone he's knows sitting, Kenny. He's sitting right here. So everyone <laughs> knows Kenny is, is the guy. All right. Uh, he's just staring at me lovingly <laughs> into my eyes. Uh, <laughs> You know, he was Kenny was the first person I met when I came to Memphis at the at the first practice. Um, I think he was the first person I in- introduced myself to, and we've just kind of been buds ever since. And I think I feel really kindred to what you guys do because the whole reason we got hired for the show is five years ago we uh, we made a short doc in partnership with uh, a company called Texags, which is a fan site for Texas A and M. Um, that of you know after a lot of hoops and a lot of things coming together for us in the right way is the thing that led to us getting to do this show so when you when you first uh get in touch with uninterrupted and espn plus and they tell you that they want you to kind of kind of run this thing uh and you hear their pitch for it because kenny kenny kind of told me how uh, how you guys linked up so what was what were your initial reactions and thoughts when they when they kind of laid out this idea to you well, I mean, it's multifaceted because, uh, you know, one, it's like we made this short doc five star. It came out four years ago and we had met uninterrupted and a lot of different people in L.A. around then. And we thought we were going to get this type of phone call four years ago. Right. <laughs> you know, and so one is just there was there was a moment of like, oh, my God, like this is this thing that we've always th- wished would happen now we're getting an opportunity. I think the way we've always felt about uninterrupted is that, you know, their, their tagline from the jump is more than an athlete. And when we got to know them, it was less than, I think there were less than 10 people in their office. And now 
I think there's easily over a hundred. I could be wrong, but they're just growing into this kind of massive, really important, I think, media empire. But the, you know, we, the first time we got connected to Uninterrupted, we thought, oh my God, like LeBron James production company, you know? Um, but we really loved what they represented, which was telling stories beyond what you see every day. And so just to get an opportunity with them was really exciting. And then, yeah, for it to be, uh, it wasn't called the harder way yet, but to be this story about Penny Hardaway coming back to his alma mater. Um, I grew up in Chicago. I lived in Chicago until I was 10. Then I moved down to Texas. Um, but you know, it was the bulls in Jordan and the enemy was, you know, Shaq and, and Penny in Orlando. And so I think Penny is such a huge part of nineties basketball. Like when I was a kid, he was just a part of me growing up. And so, just to kind of know, yeah, you know, Penny Hardaway coaching his alma mater, number one recruiting class. Let's go along for the ride. I mean, obviously, it was it was a dream come true. So you mentioned having a little bit of a mini doc before uh, called Five Star. So when you get this call, and like you said, it's something that you expected for a long time because you had already been connected with these people. Uh, but for you guys, what's the what's the transition been like? Because obviously you expected this. You wanted this at some point. But going from doing a mini doc on your own, I'm assuming on your own producing and every that was yeah. all through you. Yeah, for sure. To being connected with obviously the massive the the biggest sports outlet in ESPN and then a company like Uninterrupted that's that's really blowing up now and making a full season and and traveling with the team for a full season. What's the transition been like? Oh man, I mean it's been it's been wild. I mean, I think it's one of those things that you hope for. Like it's it's one of those things where I mean, I know you guys know this game, but like whenever you make something and then you put it out in the world, it's almost always disappointing. <laughs> you yeah. know, it's no, almost yeah, always sure. like you always like, think it's better. Than yeah, you always think it's going to do all these things. And so I think that the way five star played out was really helpful for us because we kind of just kept going in our careers. You know, Ryan's a established commercial director. He's rostered with a company called Pulse Films. Um, we started working on a narrative, which we're, we're actually going to, we're going to go make Ryan's first feature narrative after this show. So we've very much been living the life of, you know, independent filmmakers making a living doing commercial work, you know, for the last decade. And so you just, we kind of just weren't, we weren't waiting. We didn't expect this call. Like we weren't waiting on it. Like that was our, the, the guy who, uh, Matt Rissmiller is, is, you know, the guy who gave us this huge opportunity uh, the guy that connected us with Matt is a guy named Aaron Phillips and Aaron, I guess like discovered us quote unquote. And he texted me a couple days after we locked up the deal with uninterrupted. He's like, we're finally doing it, man. And I remember thinking like, I wish you had told me <laughs> that you guys knew for sure this was going to happen. Yeah. You got left because in the dark. I had moved on, right. you know? Um, and then, yeah, the transition was, was a wild one. You know, I, I, I'm based in Austin, Texas. Um, the timing was funny because I was I was already coming up here for a wedding. So one of my buddies from Houston met a Memphis girl, obviously fell in love. <laughs> uh, you know, so I was already up here to be a groomsman in a wedding. And I just rearranged my travel plans. I just I canceled my flight, packed my car and then was like, I guess I'm just going to stay. <laughs> so, you know, it's a whirl. It's a whirlwind. It's like you can it's like this thing that. Yeah, it, it, it's a dream, right? Like it's a dream come true in a lot of ways. And so 
you guys know how projects are when they're getting spun up. Like everything feels really loose. It feels like anything can happen. We weren't the only kind of director duo up for the show. Like that we were, we were pitching against other people. The network had to sign off on it, you know, like felt very uncertain. And then, you know, for Booth is my, my, you know, main collaborator, business partner, you know, he's a dad, he has two girls and, we knew how demanding the show was going to be and he and his family live in Brooklyn. And so like there's very practical, like you just, as you're spinning up the process and trying to figure out how this is all going to work. Um, there's a, yeah, it's like a roller coaster because, you know, we thought we like wanted to communicate. We clearly communicated to uninterrupted and co. Okay. Like Henry's going to move to Memphis. Ryan's going to fly in and out. Like, and you're all these things are moving a million miles an hour. Everyone's making plans. Everyone's moving, and like it's still getting settled. And so there's just kind of always an underlying fear of like, man, like I hope this works out in the way that we want it to. And it really did. You know, like we're we're again really grateful to Uninterrupted, and then LeBron's other production company, Spring Hill, are the people who are actually running production. And so it's wild, man. It's like, it's, it, you know, so that was, we got a phone call couple, like it was like three or four weeks later I moved to Memphis. Yeah. I can only imagine that feel like you said, you weren't the only, you weren't the only people jockeying for this position. So it, it could have went anyway. So I can't imagine uh, that feeling with that, but you mentioned getting to Memphis rather quickly after you, you knew it was locked down. Uh, and I'm sure, like you said, it's a whirlwind. It's crazy. You don't know what to expect at that point. So you finally get here. Uh, I'm sure things, I don't know if things settle down for you, but, uh, you know, when you look at some of the guys that you've been able to work alongside with this, I mean, Penny Hardaway, like you mentioned, has been a star for a long time. Mike Miller's been a star for a long time. James Wiseman is a guy that's all over social media and all over TV uh, since he's been in high school. So you literally come into Memphis around mega stars. Uh, if you can walk us through that, what was it like, you know, getting on campus, talking to Penny Hardaway, Mike Miller, James Wiseman, some of these guys that are legitimate stars? <laughs> I mean, you know, it's my job, like, you know, functionally, like my role on the show is access. And so uh, figuring out the story we're telling, working with kind of everyone within the program and the university to court just coordinate making a show you know which is not uncomplicated and so I remember the first the first person I met was um <laughs> like my first day uh I got here a little so because I just moved here on my own I got here a couple days before the rest of production just because I wanted to get to know as many people as I could and so on the first day I met Kristen Kelly and Rodney Hamilton um, the head of compliance and the director of operations. And I just, I remember immediately being struck by, um, just the type of people they were just like how just thoughtful and smart it, it was. It was immediate from the jump, how much they cared about it. Like, I, I think I was immediately kind of overwhelmed with how important this team was, uh, to this city. I, I think that that's something you just can't really understand until you're in Memphis, you know? I, I went to Texas A&M and, um, you know, we are known for having like a cultish fan base. Like if you're at A&M, uh, during a college football weekend, it's crazy. Like it's a, it's a unique experience. I hope everyone gets the chance to, to, uh, to have, but I just never, that college station is a college town in the middle of nowhere in Texas. Memphis is a really important city 
in our in our nation's history and in the state of Tennessee and to kind of see a city be behind a behind a college team uh you know like that was the thing that just struck me and it kind of first I first kind of realized what I was getting into sitting across from Rodney Hamilton and kind of figuring out how we were going to do this thing so what's the balance been like because I don't think a lot of people that aren't in in the in the media industry uh, from you, from you guys' perspective, as far as following a team around, uh, Kenny, Kenny and I have done it a lot where we follow players around, and it's a it's a hard balance between annoying, pissed, and fly on the wall. <laughs> it's hard to balance, you know, being in this team's realm but staying out of the way. So, what has it been like for you? Uh, you know, obviously telling your story, telling this team's story but also having to work around a, a basketball team that has to play games and practice and go to meetings and things like that. <laughs> I mean, you asked about balance. I mean, there is no balance. I mean, like I think that up until a couple weeks ago, um, you know, like I, I, this show has been my life, you know, since October, like, you know, I eat, sleep and breathe this show. Right. And so uh, we've been filming at a pace of, of generally two or three days a week. Um, and then in between I'm kind of figuring out what we're filming the next week. And then it is just kind of the process of just coordinating that. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I think that emotion, like it's the, it feels like my job a lot of times boils down to like, like you said, being, uh, I would, you know, Rodney Hamilton is the person that you could, you could ask about how annoying I am, but, uh, it, the, it does feel like a game of being like, Hey, is this okay? And then you're like, Hey, 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 hey is, is this okay? Is yeah. this okay? You know, you kind of feel like you're asking that over and over and over again. And one of the th- practical challenges with our show, because of just what we were expected to deliver to ESPN, you know, you have to keep in mind that I don't think anybody in the program or the first episode didn't come out until six or eight weeks in right. when we were there, you know, we're filming three or four days a week for six to eight weeks. Like you just see this camera crew around. You have no idea what we're actually putting together. And that that's the thing with, with documentary filmmaking. I know you guys know this too. Um, it's the, is it the locker room series? Yeah, is that locker like room. you guys get it? I mean, it's about building trust with a subject and it, it's a mutual thing, you know, like it's a, it's an absolute privilege to be given the access that we've been given. And it's a process, you know, like, and I think, you know, it's reflected in the show a little bit. Like, I think like, I feel like we, I'm really proud of episode five. I feel like we started, I think there's, there's moments I'm, I'm really proud of our entire series so far, but like you can see that we're getting more access and more depth as the season goes on in the show. So kind of along those lines of, of if you don't do this, you don't understand it is, being invested not only in a team because obviously if you're if you're with the team every game it's kind of hard not to want them to win but you get invested in these guys as people and Kenny and I did it we followed East High School around last year for I think a couple months and being with those guys on a weekly basis and sometimes on a nightly basis you you get invested in the players as people so what's it been like uh, kind of from a distance building a relationship with these guys and, and watching this season play out? Yeah, man. I mean, I think that that's the absolute, I think that's the best part of documentary filmmaking is that you have an excuse to enter into a world 
that you would otherwise never have access to and get to know people in a really unique way because you're both filming them, telling their story in real time. Like, like it's like, you, you know, you can imagine, uh, like I'll know more about you after you guys put this podcast out, like, because I'll kind of see how you cut together what we talk about. Right. right. And I'll be like, okay, cool. Christian like really got what I was trying to say there. And so when you're putting out episodes about a team, you know, it's a unique, unique way to get to know somebody. And I'm the person that asks all the interview questions. Um, and it's this really odd way of creating a relationship. But like you said, yeah, you really do. <clears throat> you really do like my whole job is to kind of understand who this program is, you know, who these players are, who these coaches are, what motivates them, what's, what's behind it for them. And if you're just kind of putting yourself in someone else's shoes, you can't help but root for them. You know, you can't help but want them to succeed at whatever they're pursuing. It's not a, yeah, it's not in terms of Memphis as a program or a team, you know, my only experience with Memphis as a basketball team was when I was in college and they beat A&M, uh, in the sweet 16, you know, like, uh, so I hated Memphis <laughs> until I moved here in terms of a program. Um, uh, and basketball has never been the same, but the, the, yeah, like you, it's, it's cool to just realize like, um, you know, Rodney Hamilton is going to be a lifelong friend. Uh, Cody Topper is going to be a lifelong friend. I'm sure with some of these guys, you know, when they start playing in the league, if they're, if I'm in the same city as them, maybe I'll see them. Who knows? You know, like I, I actually got a text from Brandon Jones, who's the subject of our documentary five star out of nowhere a couple of weeks ago. And, uh, he's training for the draft right now. He's, he's a projected third or fourth round pick, mm -hmm. had a great career at the university of Texas, uh, which caused some, <laughs> caused some complications for our investor, uh, Tex eggs, but that's another story for another time. Um, but, you know, Brandon just texted me. He's like, Hey man, thinking of you today, like I just watched five star and like what a time that was. And you know, that's, and I think that that's the thing. It's, it's kind of this mutually, it'll always be something that's been mutually experienced between, you know, myself, our crew and this team. Like we'll always know what it was like behind the scenes for all of us making the show, you know, and that's something that you'll, you know, you never forget. So we've mentioned it multiple times now, and especially with you, like you said, conducting all the interviews and, and being able to talk to these guys one-on-one. -on -one. Who are some of the guys, because I know not not every college athlete is a great interview or great at speaking on camera, so who are some of the guys that have really impressed you You know, when speaking to them one-on-one? -on -one? I'm trying to think of like the guys that haven't already been like highlighted by everyone that follows Memphis sports. I mean, I think Jaden Hardaway is a really smart dude. I think he's going to be successful at whatever he wants to do. Um, you know, I think he's a career in basketball ahead of him. And, but he's a guy that you just like, he's going to be successful at whatever he does. I think maybe guys that I wish got like a little more airtime. Cause you know, everyone sees less and he rolls up his shorts and like you, and obviously, like, we feature less a lot because right. he's, like, not shy of the camera and, like, we don't hate it. You know, he's, like, a dynamic, like, fun kid. Um, I think the thing about Les that I hope people really know is that, yes, he's goofy. Like, yes, he's, like, going to roll his shorts up as high as possible. 
But that kid works his ass off. Make right. no mistake about it. Like that kid works his ass off. I love Boogie Ellis. He's the same way. Like I like I'm excited for his continued career at Memphis. Like he uh he he can put it into another gear, I think. Um but again, like just a guy who's like very focused, very driven. Um Lance Thomas, have you guys ever spent a lot of time with Lance yeah. Thomas? Lance Lance is a big personality. Lance is like just He's got a very funny sense of humor. Um, you know, is very quick witted, like very smart, like very like he's like very good at you kind of forget sometimes that he's like a 20 year old or whatever, because he just he has these like just really intelligent observations that he just delivers to the rest of his teenage friends, you know. But like um man, I like I couldn't I like I, I could I could say a thing about every one of these guys, you know, like Malco, man. I mean, I think Malco, you know, maybe what you got, maybe like, I think what the media doesn't see as much is like, he really is. I mean, he wasn't supposed to come back this year, you know, like I know that's been reported on and talked about, but like, he really is playing. He's not a hundred percent. Like he hasn't been all season. Um, and you guys know Malco, like he's like, uh, you know, a very, he's another one of those guys where you could just kind of see him being, being successful in a million different ways. You know what I mean? Like, um, but I think, yeah, I think he's kind of like this definitely, I think Malco. Yeah. Like a lot was asked of him this season. And I think that like, you can see that it's weight on him, but like he kind of has, hasn't shown that to anyone. He's just kind of doing his part and like, um, you know, excited for him as his career continues. You pointed to episode five as something that you're proud of. So when you look through the series so far, what have been some of the highlights to you? You know, for me, it's more about moments than it is about, um, you know, episodes as a whole. Like, I think that, I mean, overall, like I'm, <clears throat> we've, we've had to figure a lot of stuff out. You know, obviously everything that happened with James was unexpected. It wasn't a part of our production plan, kind of the high level story of this series from the jump the the kind of main creative direction was penny hardaway is this man that has had this kind of unique set experience of in his life being an nba superstar to going back to coaching middle school like um connecting his story and the way he relates with these guys to what's happening during the season you know that's like that's our high level approach and so um you know i and there's a lot that goes into it. There's a lot of people that speak into what's going on. Like there's, you get network notes, you know, you get notes from, uh, you know, uninterrupted. Like there's a lot that you have to deal with at this pace, you know? Um, and so for just, for the constraints of this production and what we're having to put out, like, I'm just, I'm satisfied. Like I'm proud of, like there's, I think we've made a very watchable series. There's a lot of things I could point out a million things in every episode that I wish were better. Um, uh, I, the episode we put out today, I'm really proud of. Um, I think just like the little moments where you get to kind of see who these guys are, you know, like uh, in episode three, there's a moment with Damian Baugh where he's, ex he's going through one of the plays with coach Hardaway. And it's like, it kind of perfectly encapsulates like, like how, I, like what I've observed of DB, you know, right. like he's just kind of this, very like usually quiet but smart kid 
but also like really funny. Like, and you know, I think trying any moment that kind of helps people see that these kids are kids. Um, I'm really proud of. And so, yeah. And then I, I think with episode five, you know, I would say our style when it comes to Hank and Booth is, and where it kind of really meshes with uninterrupted is that we just want to interconnect a lot of those different storylines, you know? And so I thought that five was a way where with the UT game, uh, with Stokes, story with Memphis, you know, like it just all kind of coalesced in a way that, that I think kind of points to just helps people give what my ultimate goal is, is help, help give the viewer a deeper understanding of what's happening, you know? And so these last couple episodes, I think leading up to that, like, um, you know, I think the fathers and sons and brothers dynamic is super interesting. I think like, um, these guys are all like really good dads, you know, um, and balance this kind of crazy world of like a very demanding job with caring for their families. And, and also like the thing that I seems kind of obvious, but you know, you don't really experience until you're in it is that like basketball is a way of life. Like this is not just like a job. This is like a, a world that you're in. And, um, and so, yeah, sorry, I feel like I'm not like, I'm not like addressing specific episodes maybe as much as you'd want, but you're fine. You're fine. Um, I can't pick out favorites, man. You can, yeah, you you I have too much invested got, to pick yeah. out favorites here. Uh, but I do want to talk a little bit more about episode five because personally, that's been my favorite so far. I thought the idea was very thoughtful and very creative to sit with Isaiah Stokes during the game and kind of follow him. Um, obviously, because of the connection to Tennessee and with him having to sit out with the game that that was. So, what was it like? Because obviously, we talked about it. You 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 have a different type of intimate relationship with each of these guys because you see them in their natural environment. It's it's not controlled most of the time. Obviously, during the interviews, it's a little bit different. But when you're watching practices and stuff like that, it's a, it's a little bit different. But what was it like getting to single a guy like Isaiah Stokes out who does have a very interesting story and kind of tell the story of the UT-Memphis rivalry with a guy like Isaiah? Yeah, I mean, I think that there's like a... Um, uh, yeah, the, the, everything just kind of came together in a way. I mean, honestly, like we wanted to go to Knoxville, <laughs> like right. we basically UT just like didn't give us access. Right. And so we had to come up with a plan B. Um, and you know, that was it. And so I think that like a lot of things have to go together to kind of make that episode what it is, but even going to Ching's and, you know, um, bumping out like I one of the first people I'd sought out when I came to Memphis was Chris Dean who's the director of outreach at Memphis Rocks and um you know worked for the Obama White House just like a really amazing guy works with Tom Shadiak now with Memphis Rocks stuff and um you know literally just bumped into him at Ching's when we showed up and he was having this conversation with Lafayette the owner out front and I love that moment because it's like you said, it's genuine and true. Stokes walks up, goes inside, you know, the game um, plays out like it does. And then, yeah, you just see Isaiah Stokes is a guy that has a huge heart, um, you know, and really like, you know, that was a situation where like some of it is like you got to go with what guys are willing to show you. And I talked to Stokes about his grandmother and like the importance of her to him in his life and 
you know, we wanted a way to showcase that. And so it just kind of all, it just all worked, you know, it all came together. And then, uh, there were things with five that we had filmed a lot earlier, like, uh, that I thought would go in like episodes or in, in the earlier episodes. But, um, yeah, there's kind of, there's a lot of things that we set up from the jump in episode one of like the importance of this, this city, uh, to this team and vice versa. And I felt like five is where we actually like paid that off. So something that you mentioned as kind of like the main broad idea for this is the way that Penny Hardaway being the story or, you know, having the story that he does have connecting with these guys in a, in a way that's much different from just about every other coach. So what has it been like to kind of watch him interact with these guys? Because obviously from the outside looking in, cause we don't have this type of access, <laughs> but Penny does seem like the coach that's going to relate to each individual person. He's not just a, a hierarchy of it's done this way. And I, and from talking to James Wiseman and Malcolm, Malcolm Dandridge a lot and doing that documentary with him, that's kind of what they said. He fine tunes his coaching to each player. So what's it been like watching that interaction on, on the level that you've been able to. I mean, Penny Hardaway is a very impressive dude. I mean, he, uh, um, you know, he's obviously an amazing basketball mind. I much probably to the chagrin of a lot of your audience. Like I'm actually not a huge sports guy. I'm more of like a feelings guy. Yeah. Um, (laughs) feelings guy. We got a, we got a feelings guy on a sports podcast. It's a beautiful day. Well, you know, my brother, my older brother is like a enormous college basketball fan. He's Mm -hmm. been in like a fantasy basketball league that's self run for like over a decade. Um, and he's, I've always said that like he loves, sports enough for both of us but like I think that also gives me a deep appreciation for like the community that builds around teams and programs and um but yeah I think Penny is a as an individual like you just have to think about think about his life you know think about uh like like growing up like the hard way you know in Binghamton um you know gets shot in the foot like when he's in college, uh, like comes battles back from that, like has an amazing college career is arguably like, you know, gets drafted super high, has a ton of hype around him and immediately like is on a rocket ship. Right. <clears throat> and then, you know, a couple things out of his control don't go his way. You know, he does the micro, you know, uh, the knee surgery mm-hmm. that like, you know, I'm not a doctor, but like, <laughs> uh, just he, he had, he like is this guy that l- deeply loves basketball, right? That is an extreme competitor. Um, and then like his, dr- he gets his dream and then he has to let it go. Mm-hmm. And I think that like any person who's been through that type of experience, like I, like, I feel like I feel like Penny Hardaway is one of the few people I've met in my life that I feel like genuinely has very little to prove. Like he, he held, he holds himself to a really high, like the only people, the only person he's trying to prove is he's like trying to prove it to himself, you know? And so like his motives are incredibly like, I, like I, I think, you know, this has come up on our show and I'm sure it's come up with you guys, but the thing I would boil down Penny's kind of mission at the university of Memphis to two things, which is like, he wants to win a national championship with the university of Memphis and he want to help the he wants to help these kids dream come true. Yeah. 
And those are both, those aren't mutually exclusive. Those are kind of combined shared goals. I think that informs kind of the whole way they run this program. And you hear it from every single player that, you know, Penny is going to, the, the, the reason these guys play so hard is because they, they like love and trust their coaches. And that starts with Penny, you know, like you see him get after guys in practice. Um, but I also know guys like text Penny about like dating advice and like, yeah. you know, he's always available to them. Uh, uh, like, you know, this program like is in a lot of ways, I think like his family and, and he cares a lot for it. And it's, it's been a, you know, obviously not the season anyone was expecting, but I don't know, man, he's an impressive dude. So from the outside looking in, something that you touched on a little earlier that's that is obviously very interesting is the is kind of the pattern that this season has took um, with the James Wiseman stuff, with the injuries, with this. I mean, it's been pretty much all season. There's been drama surrounding it, and as a as a filmmaker, you ex, you expect things to go wrong because everything. Sure. It, it's only in a perfect world everything would have went smoothly. No one would have gotten hurt. This team would have won a national championship. That was that was uh, the best possible outcome of this for you guys, but obviously this t- it takes a crazy turn. A lot of things happen during filming, during production uh, that that changed the course of the documentary and what you guys are kind of going for uh, from episode to episode, not as a sure, whole. Sure, sure. So what what was it like, kind of navigating everything that's happened so far this year? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think the I mean, I think the practical thing about like. N- navigating the ebbs and flows of the season is it's uh, one of the things Kenny and I were talking about the other day was what does it feel like to be in the, what's the feeling in the building? How are they feeling like, and there's very much been a next game mentality, you know, like I think that uh, everyone outside of that building, you know, you watch this team with such massive potential, like, go through what they've gone through, lose some of the games that way they have in the way that they've, they've, they've done. Like it's easy to, as a fan to be sort of frustrated. I think in the building itself, um, it's just always been a next game up mentality. Like, and that's kind of the same mentality that we have to take on as a production is it's like, you're just fighting to survive. You know, it doesn't, it's not, there's not when, uh, at any of the moments, you know, whether it's when the NCAA came in on the second game of the season and ruled Weissman ineligible or whatever they said, potentially ineligible or whatever, <laughs> like to DJ getting injured, like all of those moments, you just kind of got to keep going. Like you're not thinking about like, it, and, it, and you do kind of take on like the feeling of what's happening in the building. You know, like we... Uh, we were that we were there the day that James left the team and, um, we we're doing interviews. So we're like in a different section of the building. Um, and man, it was heartbreaking, dude. Like yeah. It was like, it, it was really, really heartbreaking. And I think that you don't really, it's, it's a, it's a moment like, so a lot of those moments I can look back on now with hindsight and kind of logistically explain, here's what we did. Here's what we were thinking. Here's what happened. But you really do ride the emotional roller coaster of that for the team, you know. And so I never in a million years thought I would. I mean, if like when watching the game against Houston on Sunday, like it ruined my day when they lost, you know. And it's not like I said, it's not because I'm like this deeply loyal 
Tigers fan, this is a group of people I now care deeply about. And so I think that that's the side of this that like you just, it's a bit of an emotional onslaught like this. So like, just imagine being on a conference call, you know, with a bunch of lawyers figuring out what you can say and not say about the Wiseman stuff as it's an ongoing investigation for an episode that you're putting out. Um, like it matters to a lot of different people in a lot of different ways. And so like navigating that has been, it's, you know, it'll be something I never forget. Okay. So you, you know, you mentioned the James Wiseman stuff and how it was really heartbreaking to hear that and everything. What was that day like for you? Because I'm sure as the guy that's making this whole documentary, this whole film, when you get that news, it's pretty crazy. So what what went into that day? What was what was it like as a whole? And then how did that change kind of the outlook on filming and, and what you guys were going to do after that happened? Yeah, I mean, obviously, a lot of you, you can't not talk about Weissman, right? Like when the series is spun up, I mean, he's such a unique talent. Like he's such a thoughtful, like good kid. Um, obviously, the, the show in a lot of ways was he was featured heavily in the beginning because he's James Weissman, right. you know? And so the day he left, I mean, man, that was, a, that was like right before Christmas. Um, it, it felt, it kind of, you know, everyone was about to kind of get a little bit of a break already, but like everyone was kind of worn out. I mean, um, but yeah, just really sad. You know, I, I interviewed Malco and that we were actually filming interviews for episode five. And so we had Malco, Tyler Harris, Alex Lomax come in and you could just see it in their eyes, man. I mean, I think that like they, they love this guy. Like, I mean, these guys are incredibly close. I mean, I think like the product of, um, just this coaching staff and there's a, there's a lot of chemistry across this team. And, um, I think, I think, they understood they both it felt like they were both like heartbroken but also understood that James made the decision that he felt like he needed to make for himself you know mm-hmm. and that's I think for me I was just I felt bad I felt really heartbroken for James you know I think that like you could kind of see it in the Waj interview that he did a couple weeks ago uh the the interview he did on ESPN like yeah I mean I, I think he he represents himself really well but like it just college basketball is a magical sport. Like I think Mar- there's nothing like March Madness, and and even in the regular season, like there's just there's there's something deeper going. I mean, like this team is a perfect example of like a college basketball team can mean a lot more than just how many games they win, and that's what makes collegiate athletics incredible. And it's a shame that like we don't get to see this kid um, be a part of this team and, and do that run. You know, that's, that's how we felt. I, I think that um, the, the whole, it's it, it just a tough, you know, you just see a kid like you could tell, like, I mean, like, I think like it was, it, I mean, this has been reported on, but it's like, it was weighing on him, man. I mean, like, can you imagine being 18, 19 years old, like being on the the spotlight that he has um, and having this all happen. It's just crazy. It's crazy. Um, 
But I, I think in terms of practic- practically speaking, like that is what a documentary series is. Like you do have to roll with the punches. You do have to kind of go with um, what's presented to you. And, you know, like it's it's been a wild production. You know, we've had to shift. We've had to we've had to kind of, um, you know, a lot of things have come together at the last second. <laughs> like there's there's a lot of maneuvering that we've had to do to kind of get these episodes out and the timing that we've had. And I think if people watch this series and don't really notice a ton, which I hope is the case, um, I'm really proud of that. So kind of to wrap up here, when you when you guys do finish up filming and it's done and you, you go back home and everything, I'm going to assume it's going to take some time to to kind of pull back out of it because, like you said, you are very uh, emotionally invested in these guys and in the team and everything that goes along with that. But, uh, you know, years down the road, how do you think this experience, how do you think you look back on this experience and this, and this documentary with Memphis? I think it'll be really, I mean, I think for me personally, the last six months, um, you know, this is a big break for us, uh, in terms of our careers. Um, uh, for me personally, it's just been a really interesting season. Like I ran a marketing agency in Austin until about a year ago. And like, this has been a really good time to reflect. Like I started dating somebody in Memphis, so I don't know if I'm actually going to leave <laughs> completely. Um, he, he might be staying. He might, he but, might not, he might not go back know, home. Like I, this just I'm aware enough in the moment to know that like just doing this show has, you know, changed my life. Like it, it'll be one of the most kind of important seasons of my life. I think something that I walk into any documentary thinking is that I'm just very aware of the fact that, um, I will move on to a different project. You know, we will get like, we're literally going to make this feature and depending on what happens with Corona, like in a couple months <laughs> and, um, the uh, we'll, we'll go make different things with different people, but the show is going to live forever, you know? And so I think that like before each episode comes out, I think there's a bit of a thought of like, what's however green is this going to be? How, like, what are people going to think five, 10 years down the road? And, you know, I hope that this is something that Memphis fans, the university of Memphis, the program, um, the players that, they look back on and feel like was, you know, a true assessment of like a, a, an interesting look in a crazy year, you know, and, and hopefully showed the character of who these guys are. And, um, yeah, I don't know. It, it's, it's, it's weird, man. I mean, cause like, you know, we, we were literally filming stuff that like, that's how wild the season's been is like stuff that we've shot three weeks later is dated. You know what I mean? Right. So we've touched on, you know, kind of your, a lot of your experiences with this documentary and and even talked a little bit about, you know, how you'll reflect on this when it's all said and done. But as you said, you know, you kind of, you know, as a filmmaker, producer and all the titles that you have, (laughs) that there's always a a what's next. Yeah. Uh, So for you, when you, when you do wrap this up and you uh, do figure everything out, what is next for you? One of the things that Kenny and I were talking about last week was, how the film industry has really changed like in the last decade, right? Like the way what independent filmmakers do now looks a lot different than they did 10, 20 years ago, right? Like if you were a filmmaker 10, 20 years ago, that's kind of all you would do. You'd submit films to festivals. You'd hope you'd catch your big break this way. Well, like now independent filmmakers can work 
you know, do what you guys do or they like, or can do branded content or can make a living working on commercials. Like there's more, I think there's this new filmmaking industry that's kind of emerged in the last decade that we don't totally see yet. But if you think of the way we ended up on the show, it's incredibly non-traditional. We made a short film. It got a ton of traction online and we met a bunch of people through it. And then we got hired to make a show a couple of years later. And so, um, you know, on the, on the narrative side, like the, the practical thing that's happening with indies is that like the budgets are getting pushed further and further and further down, um, to kind of make sure that if you sell it, like you're going to make your money back. And so, you know, I worked on an indie in 2013 and it, the budget was a million dollars and which is like pretty low back then. And now we're about to make our first feature narrative, uh, Ryan's directorial debut. It's called stages. Um, and it's gonna be the it's a micro budget feature. We're shooting it for like $400,000. And so it's, but I think in the same way with the show, like, you're trying what you're always trying to do as a filmmaker is like what you're always trying to do as a filmmaker is do the most with the resources that you've been given. I think that if people that understand film production understood kind of the different constraints and what we've dealt with on the harder way, um, you know, if they like the show, they would be, they'd probably be impressed by how we've pulled it off, you know? I think that's the same idea that we're trying to do with this, this next feature. And so, uh, one of the things that we're doing for stages. So I guess if you liked the harder way, if you think we're good at filmmaking, uh, we're making a movie called stages. They'll be shooting this year. TBD a bit right now because of Corona virus. Um, but part of the way we're actually raising money for it is through a crowd equity platform called WeFunder. So what's cool about it is you can, it's, it's similar to Kickstarter, but when you give a hundred bucks towards our film, you're actually an investor in the film. Um, and so Ryan has built up an audience over the last couple of years on Instagram, just through kind of talking about his work. Um, Pulse, one of the, the production, one of the production companies I mentioned earlier is a, is an investor in the film. So yeah, I, I mean, I, I guess if people want to know what's next for Hank and Booth, uh, we're making a movie called Stages. If you if you want to invest, wefunder.com slash stages. So if you have not seen The Harder Way yet, you can check it out on ESPN+. Plus. I've personally seen every episode. I think it is incredibly well done, as we've talked about throughout this podcast episode. Also, keep an eye out for stages. Uh, and Henry, you got a plane to catch, man. But I appreciate you for joining me. Of course. Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening to this episode of Tigers in 20 Off the Boards. If you enjoyed this interview, we would love for you to leave a comment and a rating wherever you download your podcasts. If you are interested in daily content all about the University of Memphis athletic program, please hop over to www.gotigers247.com. Articles are uploaded daily, and you can join the Go Tigers 247 family by signing up for the VIP membership for even more behind-the-scenes information. 